Good morning. I said good morning. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's getting close, isn't it? I am so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. Um, uh, I am Andy Watson. I'm the youth minister here at um, Memorial United Methodist Church. And if you are visiting with us, we are very glad you are here and ask that if you would give us some information by signing the attendance pad when it comes down uh, your aisle. I have a few short announcements and then we will begin worship. Uh, at 11 o'clock later today in the sanctuary, the choir is presenting their Christmas cantata. And uh, you're invited to go over there and, and double dip today and, and join in with that. It's always very beautiful and moving music. Um, as well as narrations, and uh, so uh, that's going on at their 11 o'clock service today. Uh, next Saturday night, the praise band will uh, do its annual Christmas concert, contemporary Christmas concert, and um, it starts at 7 o'clock, and I hope that many of you can make it out to that. Next week during the 9 o'clock hour here, we'll also do some of the music that we're going to do on Saturday night, so if you were to miss it, uh, it, you would get a dose of it next Sunday morning as well. Um, Pastor Joseph and, and Brenda also uh, asked for your continued prayers and they have been overwhelmed by support, whether it's meals or cards or, or phone calls or whatever it is, and they ask for your continued prayers as they uh, continue to heal. Um, if you've been out of town for the last few weeks, um, our pastor is out until at least January, until at least the first of the year. Um, he suffered a uh, major break a compound fracture in his both bones of his wrist and had to have major surgery. And his wife as well, Brenda, who's a, a minister, um, is also out of commission right now. Um, she is uh, recovering from uh, some pretty major surgery as well. So please keep them in your prayers over the next few weeks. And speaking of prayers, if you have prayer requests and don't mind um, those being shared with the congregation during our prayer time this morning, would you raise your hand and our ushers will come around with a note card and a pencil and you can put those down and we can share in those as we have our prayer time this morning. I have one more announcement. Um, if you have not filled out a pledge card for 2014, the Finance Committee asks that you please do that and get it to the church office as soon as possible. They are in the process and, and met this morning to begin formulating the budget and everything for next year. Um, and so they have a very short window to do that in um, since it's a 2014 budget and that's coming just a few weeks away. So if you haven't filled out a pledge card and plan to do that, please get that in. Uh, there's some back there on the table. There's some at the church office. Some, there'll be some available at the 11 o'clock service. Um, get that into the church office or put it in an offering plate this morning as soon as you possibly can. I think that's all of our announcements for this morning. Um, so let's pause just a moment and begin to focus our hearts and our minds on the risen Savior as we begin worship together. Will you stand and let's sing together? Oh, call me Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that points among the Israelites, until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to me, O Israel, 
so much this morning for the just the opportunity to come and to sing and to worship you. Lord, fill us up with the Christmas spirit. 
fill us up with a season of Advent and the expecting coming of your Son. Lord, help us to focus on the major reason, the only reason, why we celebrate this season, Lord. Help us to focus on Jesus Christ and how much he means to us and how much he came to do for us. Lord, help us to hold that dear and close to our hearts even through this busy, busy season. I ask these things in your name. Amen.
tell them Merry Christmas and children please come to the carpet Good morning. How are you guys doing? What's the countdown to Christmas? Is it 11 or 10? 10. I think it's 10. I marked it, it on my 10. calendar. It is 10. Mom. Okay. I changed the Santa. Okay, thank you. Um, so what season is it right now? Winter? I think fall, Mom. It's winter. It's winter. It's winter. Okay. I have a secret to tell you, but you can't tell anybody, okay? About 12 years ago, I hated, I hated winter. I did not like winter with every ounce of my body. Why, Mom? Why? That's a great question, Ryan. I didn't like being cold. I didn't like being wet. I didn't like dry skin, I didn't like being itchy, I didn't like putting lotion on my body, I didn't like the sun going down early and it being dark all the time, I did not like winter. I felt like Sam I am, I did not like it Sam I am. All right, let's not mess with my Bible right now. I got it marked, okay. But something happened, I met a man and he loved winter. He loved skiing, snow skiing. And you know what? I had to change my attitude. So what I did is I sat down and I made a list. I made a list of everything I did like about the cold season. I liked scarves and I liked hats. I liked gloves. I liked hot cocoa and Russian tea. I liked snuggling under a warm blanket. I liked fires and fireplaces. What else do you guys, can you think of that you like about winter? Slaying, playing in the snow. Santa's sleigh. Santa's sleigh. And Rudolph. And Rudolph, Mom. And Rudolph, okay, good job, all right. So I had to change my mind. And do you know what the candle is going to be lit for today on yeah. the Advent wreath? No. Is it love? I don't know. Is, is it joy? My big one. I think it's joy. Andy's nodding his head. It's joy. My big one's love. <laughs> Her big one's love. Okay. Um, well, there is a verse in the Bible in First Thessalonians, and it says, be joyful always. 
Do you know what? It's not easy to be joyful always, is it? It wasn't easy for me to be joyful about the winter when I did not like the winter. But God gives us ways and things that we can do. He gave us our minds and we can think about the things that we do like. So let's pray. Let's pray about being joyful always. And if there's something that you really don't like, think about ways that you can change your mind and your heart. I kept that list with me forever, and I thought about it, and I meditated on it, and I got to the point where I didn't even have to look at that list anymore because I found ways that I could be joyful about something that I didn't really care for. And it's hard to wait. We're waiting for the Christmas We're waiting for Christmas Day right now, aren't we? It's hard to wait and be patient, but we need to find ways to be joyful. All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for giving us minds so that we can remember and find things to be joyful about. In Jesus' name, amen. The angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth lying in a manger. Luke 2, verses 9b through 12. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let the earth receive her king. Were there any other prayer cards? If not, let's go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we give you so much praise this morning for the joy that you have indeed shed upon our lives through your Son, Jesus Christ. We acknowledge, Lord, that so often we fall short of the standard which you would hold us to. And it is only through the grace of Christ and his suffering on the cross for our sins that we are able to stand in your presence this morning. So we come before you humbly asking that you would transform us into the people that you want us to be, the people who go out and spread your word, the people who go out and share your love with others, the people who are selfless rather than selfish. Lord, may we exhibit this Advent season and this Christmas time an attitude in which giving really is better than receiving. May everything we do abound with your grace that others might know that that we celebrate because of Jesus. 
because he was born in a manger of a virgin, but not just that he stayed in that manger, Lord, but that he grew up and he became our Savior. Lord, we give you praise this day for the wonderful season of Advent in which we are able to focus more on your coming into our lives. Pray that you would break down the barriers that keep us from accepting your presence and grant that we as your people might be better servants for you in the coming week than we were this past week. Lord, we have specific aches and pains on our minds and our hearts this morning. Burdens which we bear, some of which we have shared with others, and some of which we dare not share with anyone. But we know you know what lies in the depths of our souls. So I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would heal the afflicted, you would comfort those who are mourning and suffering, that you would ease the minds of those who are worried and anxious, and that you would bring reconciliation to those who are dealing with difficult relationships. Lord, I pray these things, as well as these specific prayer requests this morning. I pray for our grandpa who is going through different medicines. We lift up to you the family of Miss Gramling, a fourth grade teacher at Woodland Elementary who lost her battle with cancer. And we ask that you would be with Gamuel Tate, the father of Angie Bryant, who's recovering from an infection in the hospital. Lord, we pray for your healing in that situation and be with the Bryant family and all of Gamuel's family as well. Lord, these are our prayer requests and we bring them before you this morning in the name of him who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, our scripture lesson for today comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 16, and it's probably one that you haven't uh, really studied a good bit. Um, usually we jump right into the whole story about Joseph and the dream and the vision and then the journey to Bethlehem, and we, we miss Matthew's opening chapter. It's his genealogy of Christ, and it takes Jesus' family tree basically all the way back to Abraham. I'm going to read... Normally, you know, I turn around and I read from up there, but I'm going to read from, it's the same version, but I'm going to read from up here uh, for right now um, because there's a lot of uh, names in here that you'll probably laugh at me over as I try to pronounce them. I have been practicing, but we'll see how it goes. Um, and if you're familiar with the King James Version, uh, this is the begats. Uh, so um, if you get home, you got a King James Version, you might want to look it up and as a family try and read these together. It's kind of fun. Um, hear now the word of the Lord from Matthew, the first chapter. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. 
and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. The word of God for the people of God. Indeed, these are people of God. This is Jesus' family tree. Now some of you, some of you might uh, have a couple of messes going on this time of year. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Wrapping to do, cooking, parties to prepare for. And the worst is actually after the party's over. Right? Because then there's the real mess. You know, this time of year we spend a lot of time making messes and cleaning messes up. Life is kind of a mess. If you have children, you know, you spend sometimes hours wrapping gifts and within minutes, it is destroyed and then a pile that you now have to pick up. I mean, if they really like unopening, you know, the wrapping, it's in millions of little pieces just torn to shreds as if they develop some sort of claws to get into it on Christmas morning. We have a lot of messes to clean up this time of year, but also we have a lot of messes in our lives. We have a lot of things going on, whether it's sickness, illnesses, family issues, Strained relationships, troubled marriages, dealing with loss of loved ones. Life is a mess. Today's scripture lesson gives us a glance at Jesus' family tree. And um, it reminds me of my favorite Christmas movie, all right? National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, okay? Now, you may recall that he is going to decorate the best house ever for Christmas. And he and his son are getting these boxes of lights out of the garage. And they're talking about what, you know, a, a good old family-filled, old-fashioned family Christmas. That's what it is. That's what he calls it, old-fashioned family Christmas. And they're pulling the lights out, and he, he pulls out, and he says, oh, there's a knot there. You can, you can handle this, and hands it to his son. And I was thinking about that as I watched that movie this past week. And I was thinking about our scripture lesson and thinking about how life is sometimes just a mess. And, and as we'll see in a minute, Jesus' family tree is a mess. And, and, and the interesting thing when I was Googling 
images to put up here on the slideshow, I came across this. Now, you've got to be a diehard National Lampoon fan to put a onesie up there. A little knot here, you can work on that. All right, so I'm not the only one who thinks that uh, it's a great movie. But anyway, uh, you know, it got me to thinking about family trees. Now, some of you, if you think for a moment, have some interesting turns and twists in your family tree. Um, you know, y'all remember Arthur from, he was our pastor before Pastor Joseph. He did the whole, you know, Ancestry.com thing. He really got into it, and, uh, and he even sent his, you know, little DNA off to the lab to find out where his family came from way back over when they migrated from Africa and all that. I mean, it, it's, I, I'm not joking. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm serious. It was, he, he, he knows a lot about his family history. But as he found more and more out, his trees started to really look gnarled. And I'm willing to bet that most of our trees look gnarled. Um, and, and Jesus' tree is no different than ours. As a matter of fact, we might look at Jesus' tree and think of, man, it really is a mess. Um, it starts off pretty good. We've got Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, and Jesus uh, is one of those sons. That's what this is proving here in this genealogy. But, you know, we also know that through Abraham, the promise was fulfilled that all nations would be blessed through his offspring. If Jesus is his offspring and all nations are blessed through the work of Christ, then we start off pretty good. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all fathers of the Jewish faith and therefore fathers also of our faith. This is the lineage through which we get our Messiah. And so therefore, it's a pretty good list so far. But then we get to this interesting story. And you can find it in Genesis chapter 38, if you want to look it up this afternoon. About Judah, who is the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Now Tamar is Judah's daughter-in-law. That's kind of messed up. It's even more messed up that she dressed up as somebody else and tricked him. This is who our Savior comes through. This line. Okay? That's, that's, look it up. It's, it's an interesting situation. And then we have Rahab. Y'all familiar with Rahab? You know the story when the spies are sent to spy out Jericho? And somehow the men of Jericho find out that there's Israelites within the walls spying. And so they, these men run into this home of, of this woman, and her name is Rahab. Turns out she's a prostitute. She is not an Israelite. She's a foreigner. Okay? Yet here she is in Jesus' genealogy. If you'll remember, she was to hang a red scarlet thread from the window of her house. And when the Israelites circled Jericho and took it over, they saved her and her family, anybody that was inside that house. She's a part of Jesus' family tree. She has no Jewish pure blood history. She's a prostitute and a foreigner. It's not long in our genealogy that we get to Ruth. Now, Ruth has a whole book of the Bible named after her. But if you've read Ruth, you know that she is a Midianite, also a foreigner. What you may not know, though, is that Midianites are the descendants of Lot. Now, if you'll recall, Lot's wife was turned to salt. As she was leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, she looked back. And what happens next, it's also found in Genesis chapter 19. You can look it up, but Lot had children with his daughters. 
this is a descendant of that race of people. The Midianites. At one point in time, God told the Israelites to wipe them off the face of the earth when they were conquering the promised land. This is our Savior's family tree. This is his genealogy. This is his blood, his kin. This is where he comes from. Then we get to David. Now to be sure, David was the greatest king in Israelite history. Even Jews today will acknowledge that. He was even greater than Solomon because of his devotion to God and his respect for the throne during the pursuit of Saul. Or actually, Saul's pursuit of him. But you all know how this story tends to end. We have that it is through this wife of Uriah that the bloodline of Jesus continues. And if you'll remember, David has adultery with Bathsheba, whom he saw while he was out walking on his roof. said, bring her to me. They have a child together. That child actually died shortly after childbirth. To cover it up, what did David do? He had Uriah put on the front lines, had him march up to the city on which they were laying siege to, and then tell his commander, Joab, to back off everybody else and left Uriah there to die. These were his orders. Not only were these his orders, who did he send to carry these orders to Joab? But Uriah the Hittite. This is Jesus' family line. Then we have Solomon, which Solomon was the wisest king, wisest person, we're told, in Scripture that ever lived. But for all his wisdom, he was an incredible womanizer. One thousand wives. I got one. I, I can't imagine. One thousand wives. <laughs> I love the one I have. I should backtrack now, shouldn't I? I love the one I have, but, but a thousand wives? And his harems were even more than that. And it was those wives that caused him to go and worship at their family shrines and their temples to their gods. And eventually the kingdom would be split under Solomon. This is family tree. This is Jesus' family tree. This is the bloodline through which our Savior comes. What a mess. We could go on. There are a few good ones like Hezekiah and Josiah who bring reform. They try to revive the Jewish faith. But in the end, we are stuck with quite a mess when we look at Jesus' genealogy. So we ask ourselves, why would Matthew do this? Why would Matthew show his audience or his, his readers, the people he was trying to reach, which were Jewish, by the way. Matthew wrote to a Jewish audience. Why would he show them this sordid history of Jesus? Why, why would that be so important? He puts women in there. In that time, women were not included in genealogies. If you read any Old Testament genealogies, you see that there aren't women involved. But he put several women in the genealogy of Jesus. Why would he show these? This is like, well, y'all know, every family's got secrets. Skeletons in the closet, as they call them. You don't air those out. Here Matthew is airing out the sordid history of Jesus' bloodline. And I think the purpose of that is to let us know that from such a great mess can come the Savior of the world. Now, if God can work with that bloodline, that family tree, to bring about the salvation of all who would call on the name of Christ, 
whatever mess you and I may be dealing with, He can handle it. He can turn it into something great. If just as Christ who was born willing to suffer and die, we too become willing not to suffer and die, but to live. That God might turn our mess into something special. That we might be glorified as He is glorified. That in our mess, Christ is seen as the miracle worker. The one who can come and take the most dirtiest, foul thing and save it. This is the heart of our gospel message. That Christ came for sinners. Oftentimes he would tell the religious people who would be the ones who would question his bloodline. He would tell them, I came not for those who are well. I came for those who are sick. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinners. Jesus' family line is full of sinners. That's who he came through and that's who he came for. And when we get to a place where we admit that we're sinners, we are a mess. Our families are a mess. Our lives are oftentimes a mess. It's only then that salvation can be born in us. It's only then that we can see Christ do something special. This Christmas season, just as Clark Griswold turned that mess of knots into the most beautiful Christmas house that there was. All right. Let's remember that although it starts with Advent and the light of Christ growing in our lives and coming into the world, that Jesus didn't stay in that manger. Jesus went to die on a cross. And there is no greater mess in all of Scripture than that. Can you imagine the chaos that the disciples felt? The one whom they thought was coming to sit on the throne of David, to save Israel from all of its oppression, dead. In a humiliating way. Crucified. Beaten. Mocked. What a mess. What a mess. But we all know that the end of that story is that God redeemed that mess. And we have the empty tomb, the resurrection, new life, new birth. And just as God did it through Christ, He can do it in our lives as well. That's the whole point of Christmas, is that the light didn't stop shining when Jesus and Mary and them went to Egypt. The light continues to shine even on through the cross and on through the, the empty tomb and, and on into our lives and into our day and time. Whatever mess you may be dealing with right now, whether it's just the, messing, the mess of the season, ready to get through it all, or whether it's a mess going on in your personal life, in your family, at your workplace, in your finances, whatever mess you're thinking of right now, give it to God. He can do amazing things with our messes. That's what the genealogy of Christ teaches us. So if you leave here today, start praying for God to redeem the mess in your life. Whatever it may be, if He can overcome the pain and shame of the cross with a resurrection, whatever you're dealing with, He can turn it into something great as well. You just have to have the faith and believe 
that whatever mess you may find yourself in, God can work wonders. Amen. Will you join me in standing as we respond to the proclamation of the word through our modern affirmation? We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created You may be seated. The ushers will come forward now for our tithes and offerings.
I can see the light. My soul is gone, and the future is bright. And oh, those simpler times of faith turns out those simpler times. Just one little prayer away. Will you stand and let's all sing together?
as we leave this place, let us remember that no matter how big the mess, God can work great things with the messes of our lives. In the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go. Have a great week.